Hi, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. I'm your host, Phil, along with John and Logan on today's episode, number 177. There's probably a secret code that goes along with it, but we don't know it. want to give a special shout out to the sponsor of this week's episode, Tightbond Glue. You want a glue that you can trust, and fortunately, Tightbond has the glue you need to get the job done with confidence. From interior glues with strong initial tack and short clamp time to exterior glues with exceptional strength and water resistance, look to Tightbond, the right glue for your next project. For more information, visit tightbond.com. All right, on today's episode, I want to discuss two things in particular, and then I will open up the floor to other questions and comments. You would think you'd know by now, Phil. (laughs) Yeah, you would think. Yeah, that's where we're starting, and we will end up in a totally different place. Mm -hmm. The first thing is uh, a saw-till update from Logan. So my saw-till is designed. Did I look like it? Was that deer in headlights look? Yes. (laughs) Because that's kind of what I felt like. Did you do your homework? (laughs) No. (laughs) Because it's time for a pop quiz. So I have it designed. Um, I was down in Florida this last weekend. Uh, as was John. We were not there together. Don't make it weird. Um, but I spent some time while I was down there working in SketchUp, got my SketchUp model pretty much done of it. Um, I had mentioned that uh, Jared Green from Blue Spruce had given me the uh, some of his thoughts on saw tills, and that is the hang saws like this, basically. Um, so that they they hang from the handle instead of standard saw till, which puts them up on a rack and holds the plate. Um, and his thought is the twisting of the plate can cause some issues long term, which I agree with. Um, however, as I was working through a bunch of different designs, I could not come up with one I liked uh, with them hanging. Not one that would visually look good for a magazine project. So... I went traditional on it, standing up kind of the whole shebang, you know, you know, I, I have everything spread out on the bench right now. The pine is sitting here ready to start. I'm going to start working on it today. Um, and I have, I'm going to be fitting what, uh, six panel saws in there and 10 back saws. It looks like, um, which I, I was feels excessive. On... <laughs> 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 uh, I well, and I'm going to leave a little room for expansion because if you build yourself into a box, you're stuck in the box, right? Right. Um, yeah. One in, one out. Yeah. Well, so my my thought was originally for the the panel saws, right? Okay, I'm going to flash my my newest panel saw. Um, this is a panel saw by. Uh, Charlie Ernest from uh, Spring Green Sawworks in Warwick, Rhode Island. It is gorgeous. So the the panel saws are going to stand up like so, right? So there'll be a sure. holder up here. I'm going to put two holders. Uh, handle will rest on a on a rounded post. That's on the left side. Right hand side. I was thinking that my back saws 
I'm gonna grab one that's a little bit more common sized. This is one of the OG Jared Green saws right here. Um, this I was going to put in like a angled rack. So they'd basically be sitting handle up, but the only thing you would see would be the, the spine. So you grab the spine, pull it out, right? The back. Um, and my thought was that little triangular angled rack I could pick up and take out if I wanted to sit it on my bench as I'm working on stuff. Um, that worked great in my head until I realized how many back saws I have. And I don't think I can physically make it work with how many back saws I have. Now, I may get rid of some of my back saws. I have a bunch of, uh, I have a full set of the Lee Nielsen's, um, which I do really like. Um, but I have nicer saws now. Yeah, the Lee Nielsen's are nice saws, but I have nicer saws now. Um, and some of these are really long. Like this is their carcass saw. Um, it's a really, it's a long saw. Um, the te actually, I think the tenon saw might be even, yeah, the tenon saw is even longer. So it's like, I don't really have a good way to, to store those. So long story short, the back saw side of this is still a work in progress. It's going to okay. be a build the panel saw side, build the case of it, and then figure out what I want to do. These fortunately are very easy to hang by the handle. Sure. So that's not, that's not awful. I can do um, a rack that these would all hang. I would like it if they're hanging spine towards me. So I don't have teeth towards the user. However, with the, the varying depths of them, that makes it a little bit harder. You got to size that then for the deepest saw, which is this tenon saw, which is really, really deep. So I don't know. We'll see. Things okay. are happening, yeah. but I don't know what. So right. it's like it's yeah. like the day after eating Indian food for dinner. Stuff's <laughs> going to happen. You just don't know what to expect. It's churning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which brings up a couple of interesting things, and probably, John, you can speak to this too, is uh, you mentioned early on, you know, you're looking for a saw till that's magazine worthy, so to mm -hmm. speak. So there is an element of, in the design, like what's going to look inspirational and what's really functional and then where's the overlap on that Venn diagram? Like, do you run into that, John, when you're designing projects, either yes. furniture or shop? Um, I'm kind of going through the same thing right now, um, designing a bench top organizer for shop notes. So a lot of it is, and you're probably having the same thing, Logan. I mean, you're doing all styles, but they're all different shaped and size yeah, and yeah. the handles are shaped differently and lengths and widths and all this stuff. So it's the same thing where it's like, okay, I'm trying to design something generally that could hold, you know, general tools, but I'm also building it, it has to fit the tools that we're using to prop it. So it's like, yes, how do I design it for the magazine and give people information that they can build it for their specific tools, but it's also, has to fit very specifically the tools that I have. So it's like yeah. a lot of balancing of shapes and sizes and positioning of things. And so it's well, just kind of like said it. giving you ideas. Said it, 
yesterday when you were working or asking us our thoughts on some of that, you know, mm-hmm. benchtop organizer. It's like, you're like, this almost just needs prototyped. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I would really like to prototype. I feel like I semi have a prototype of the sawtill downstairs that I have from, from Woodsmith years ago. Um, which is kind of, I mean, it's a traditional sawtill, like all sawtills kind of have the same look for the most part, like, right. you know, they're, they're pretty standard. Um, so I know what needs to change, but like something like that bench shop organizer, I think that needs, like, I think you almost need to prototype to be like, all right, mm-hmm. this works. This doesn't, this sucks. Like there's, I know there's been magazine stuff that I built and I know there's been magazine stuff that we've built for Woodsmith that it's like, you know, this is how it ended up for the magazine but if i was going to do it again mm-hmm. here's the things i would change and i think i think that's common for every everything yeah. people design and build yeah i don't it's... think there's a single time you're like nailed it Or <laughs> <laughs> it's like i'll just omit this tool for now because it doesn't really fit for magazine purposes or you know just kind of a a living project that's never actually done yeah but it has to be done so the follow-up question that I would have for listeners, whether you're going to write a comment in on our YouTube channel or on uh, just sending us an email, woodsmith at woodsmith.com, is like what in your mind is a good set of saws? If you were going to make a saw till or if you look at your hand saw setup, and think, yeah, I have what I need versus uh, I would still like these X things. Like where, where do you draw the line? I feel like this is an intervention question. <laughs> <laughs> Narrow the, the, it down to your top 10 saws. Yeah, the background <laughs> question is how excessive is Logan's saw problem? Well, I mean, like, I think, I think philosophically I could say I need three saws. Eh, right. four. Let's call it four. Like four saws is what I need. Sure. Do I need those? Do I do I actually rip stuff by hand very often? No. But man, it's sure nice to have a three point per inch rip saw when you need it. Right. So yeah. and and sometimes like and this is where this whole saw thing kicked back off was me starting to break stuff down it's like oh it's actually kind of fun to do it once in a while so it's like sometimes it's just fun to sit on a board and rip it you know make a six foot long rip yeah no i totally get that i just it's just a question just to see like where people because and i guess the flip of my question is i see a lot of well-intentioned advice about you only need this small number of hand saws to do excellent work. Yet every one of the people who writes that article or does that video or posts that Instagram thing has at least twice, if not three times that number of saws. So it makes me question like, do you really? Or, and if, if that's all you need, then why do you have more? It's like these are your gateway saws. Right. These are the ones you start with to get addicted. Yeah. Well, and so one one thing I thought was kind of funny, 
And I think this um, is a valid thing that most people don't realize. Let me grab a couple of these. I, I noticed this as I was carrying these out this morning um, from the basement. Uh, and I thought it was an interesting visual. So those two are the same. Um, sometimes, I think for saws, you have to try a bunch of them before you decide what you actually like. Right. Because, I mean, some people, I mean, not not only talking about Western saws and, you know, pole style saws, but like there's a lot of different things that go into saws. So these are both dovetail saws. Take the case off this one so you guys can see it. People are watching. Um, ouch, that's sharp. So these handles are in the exact same position. Look at the different hang angle on those. Oh, wow. So those handles are, I'm holding those handles together, how they would be held. That is the different hang angle on those two saws. So that front one's an Eric Florip saw. Um, there's a bunch of wax on the plate. The back one's a Lee Nielsen. So, like, there's a lot of different things that can be changed on saws that make them operate differently. Um, and I think I would I would never shame somebody for having a bunch of saws and they tried a bunch of them and they just keep them because I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> As you see, my I'm never going to shame somebody because I do it. Yeah. <laughs> As you can see, my three dovetail saws. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> perfect. Yeah. What's interesting is that Woodsmith is going to be doing a saw tilt project, and Chris is going designing his around uh, pull saws. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do a case for pull saws and i think steve's actually working on it right now so so it'll be interesting to have a you know two different approaches to saw tills and be able to see those so yeah i mean that's and that's that's another thing i i'm going to try to get my i have i think two pull saws i have a ryoba and a dizuki but um i'm gonna try to get those in the saw till somehow i don't know how um, but I'm gonna try to get them in there because those are those are two saws I really enjoyed using. So. Right. Yeah. And then you got this weird guy. This is the this is the one from um, Dave, uh, the founder of Blue Spruce, and his new saw or tool making venture. Beautiful saw. Like this thing does not fit in a standard till. So like, do you make one spot where this hangs? Or I on, on the my till model I have a bunch of pegs along the bottom side of it. So like underneath I have drawers and then pegs. So it's like I might just hang this on the peg underneath. Sure. Well, because then you get so. into like some of the lesser saws where, you know, what about a coping saw or a keyhole exactly. saw or yep. you know, if you're if you have, you know, continental Europe frame saws, where yep. do those go? Yep, exactly. All right. All the questions. All all the saws. All the questions. This episode's brought to you by Tightbond. You want a glue that you can trust, and fortunately, Tightbond has the glue you need to get the job done with confidence. From interior glues with strong initial tack and short clamp time to exterior glues with exceptional strength and water resistance, look to Tightbond, the right glue for your next project. For more information, visit tightbond.com. All right. So on the show notes page, I'll see if I can get Logan to shoot a photo of 
his plans for the saw till just a, one of the renderings. And then we can post that on there again. I'd like to hear what other people think about saws and the correct number and size that suits your woodworking. So there you go. Uh, the other question, totally unrelated to saws, sort of, is I've been working on restoring, not really restoring, just tuning up, cleaning up my drill press at home. And then we were, what were we doing in here? Oh, that vice for the workbench for our mm -hmm. season 18 uh, first episode is building a new workbench. And then you found a vintage vice online and it needed some uh help let's say mm -hmm. and my i mean go ahead did it need the help or did we just like i think it was probably operational as it was right but now it turns very smoothly now it looks, and it looks nice and it looks good yeah. yeah yeah so in both of those situations what i was kind of interested in is what is like your go-to shop cleanup solvent or cleaner, especially if you're working on old tools. Because for instance, yeah, Logan's got his CRC engine degreaser. Engine degreaser. But when we were working <laughs> on the uh, vice in here, we had a couple of bottles of Simple Green mm -hmm. that we were going with. And I had totally forgotten about Simple Green, even though... Yeah. Back in my firefighting intern days, that's what we used as our major cleaner all the time was Simple Green in all its forms. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so, so why why I, engine cleaner? Okay, so, because that's what's sitting on my bench right now, and it smells delicious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so that was I was actually that's actually sitting here because I put that helical head in uh, my small delta joiner. Okay, uh, and I was I was cleaning off the the grease from the bearing blocks, so okay. that's why that's sitting here. Um, I I'll, I'll give you guys and everybody that listens my spiel that I give like the the woodworking groups when I when I give my hand tool restoration talk. Simple Green is great. However, Simple Green also has a small percentage of citric acid in it. So it can eat away metal. So if you've ever seen, if I've done this, um, I don't think I have them close at hand. Um, I've accidentally left hand plane irons in vinegar for like a week and a half and it will it will dissolve them it will um simple green's not that aggressive but it can eat away stuff um and the first time i i noticed that actually the first time i noticed that was i was reading a blog by the guy that re that restored this saw for me um uh bob page out of michigan uh he runs a company called loon toolworks i think um where they he sells sells new and used tools um but it was a blog he had written about about cleaning up saws and and preserving the etch that's on them. This one is very very light, um, and he said, you know, Simple Green's cool and it works for degreasing and cleaning stuff, but it does have citric acid in it, and that has the potential to remove metal, unlike some other cleaners. Um, 
I still use Simple Green. I actually, the one I buy is it's called Mister Green. It's from um, Menards. It's a it's a knockoff brand. It's like the Aldi version of Simple Green. Um, Doctor Green. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, it's it's complex green. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know, uh, but that that's usually my go to. Um, I did buy a gallon of stuff that was highly rated on the OWWM, the old woodworking machine Facebook page. I want to say it's called Kaboom. Sounds right. Kaboom. Sounds like a cleaner. Yeah. 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 Well, it's like a, it's like a, I I bought a gallon of it. It's purple. Um, the, the jug is purple. Um, I bought that when I started, uh, kind of gearing up to work on this big jointer. Um, I haven't used it, so I can't, I can't say how it is. So, but I needed something to cut. The biggest thing is I needed something to cut grease. So I use the engine degreaser. Um, I have a few things of FTP starter fluid that work really well for cleaning up stuff. And it (laughs) dissolves really quickly uh, or evaporates really flashes really quickly. Same thing. I actually, when I grabbed this to show it to you, I thought that this was brake cleaner because I, I really like using brake cleaner as well for parts. Um, it, you know, toxicity aside, I like the fact that they evaporate really quickly and there's nothing they won't clean up. They can eat paint though. So yeah, like wiping down a, a large three, six inch crescent bandsaw and all of a sudden the, the rag is gray. Oops. Yeah. It's the lead the is lead still there off. though. So <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. So John. I like to use the Mountain Dew knockoff uh, Mountain Thunder. <laughs> I thought it was Mount Shasta. Like, yeah. isn't that Shasta Breeze or something? Yeah. <laughs> no, I use, uh, I'll use Simple Green as well. And then um, uh, we always have around that, uh, I think it's CMT uh, oh, Bit Blade yeah. and Bit Cleaner. But why does it smell like cat pee? Ammonia. Yeah, I guess. But. Yeah, that works pretty well for cleaning up most of the gunky stuff and pitch and stuff. So, but you know, nothing, yeah, guess, too, nothing too crazy. Yeah, yeah. I guess it depends on if the if the part's just dirty or if it's greasy. Yeah. Like I think that's the bigger thing is like, is it greasy or is it just dirty? Like, is it just right. dusty dust or, or is, it is it like yeah melted in? Yeah, yeah, burnt on. Which is kind of interesting because, I mean, I always, because I have a spray bottle of that CMT stuff and it's like, oh yeah, I keep forgetting about that. And you just think of it as bitten blade cleaner when Mm -hmm. actually it does a pretty decent job all around on other stuff too. So, because I was using on the drill press, uh, the seafoam creep, they're like penetrating lubricant. So. Which I was kind of surprised on how well that cleaned off, which it didn't seem like it, like the main painted head casting on my drill press. It just seemed like it was old Delta gray and that's it. But I wiped down a few other parts and it's like, oh, this, there's a lot more grime on there than I thought. So, yeah. Yeah. I like for like penetrating oil, I like Croil. Um, it's pretty expensive. I picked it. I, I had one of, one of my, mechanics at the print shop he was he was big on it like he had he had the little squeeze bottles all over full of croil if i would have known how much croil cost 
I would be like, dude, you need to cut your Croil budget because <laughs> it's expensive. Um, but I do, I do really like Croil for like the stuff that's stuck. That's okay. my, that's like my go-to. Um, and that works really well. Mm-hmm. Is that Croil with a K or a C? It's with a K. Okay, so it's K-R-O-I-L. not real crab oil. It's no, it's not real crab oil. No. <laughs> it's synthetic crab it, it, oil. It, it, it's it's probably like Pollock oil. Yeah, yeah. imitation yeah, crab yeah, yeah, oil. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, so just a, an eight ounce drip can of it off of Amazon is eighteen dollars, nineteen dollars. Whoa. Jeez. Yeah, she's pretty. She's pretty pricey. They do sell mm-hmm. an aerosol. I can't speak to how the aerosol is. Hmm. So good news. <laughs> comes in the can yep. <laughs> I will say for like standard like wipe down in the shop because I will especially if I am like doing photos in here um, there are certain surfaces that I'll wipe down before a photo I actually use ammonia Windex oh okay like just to like like y- you can blow off like the table saw, for example, I'm just looking mm-hmm. at the table saw. The table saw, for example, you blow it off, there's still dust stuck to it, and it shows yeah. up with flashes. Yeah. So I have a bottle of um, the, the the OG blue ammonia Windex, uh, and I use that um, because I, I feel like it doesn't leave moisture behind that's going to rust anything. Sure. Um, and it cleans off pretty quickly, or it cleans it cleans up pretty nicely, whatever I'm trying to clean up. So, so how is your the small joint are coming is it essentially done now yeah it's it's assembled back together um i don't know if i told you guys so it's a dj20 it's a delta it's one of the older delta um joiners uh, same one that mark has in the shop it's a, it's a little older than that though and they're they're a parallel joiner so there's four adjustments on each bed so you can adjust each corner independently the problem is that to adjust each corner, it's not like it's a adjustment nut or something. It is a concentric bushing. Okay. So there's a, a shaft that goes through and there's a bushing on each side and each bushing is concentric. So when you turn it, you know, the, the holds offset. So it raises or lowers that corner. The, the issue is that that bushing requires a spanner wrench. Ah. Okay. So, so there's a flange on the outside and there's notches on opposite sides. So a spanner wrench should fit in there and you can turn it then. Okay. Delta never sold a spanner wrench. They never supplied a spanner wrench for this thing. So I'm looking online to figure out how people adjusted these because I put the new head in and I, I knew the, the outfeed was dipping a little bit on the end. Um, and Everyone's like, yeah, I just kind of stuck a screwdriver in the slot and tapped it with a hammer to kind of push it <laughs> in a circle. And I, so I did that a little bit and I'm like, it's busting the bushing. And then I started reading further and it's like, oh yeah, you can do that, but it's going to bust your bushing. Like, Should have read a little further before I did that. So I ended up using channel locks to grab the flange and rotate it a little bit. Cause I did, I went to Harbor Freight and bought a spanner wrench. Thinking, oh, sure, this is going to fit. The the prongs on the spanner wrench from Harbor Freight are too big to fit in the slots. Hmm. So a lot of guys seem to be turning like a wood cup and then putting like steel pins in it and using that with a wrench to, to turn those. Um, hindsight, what I, what I discovered, and this is kind of cool. Um, just I don't know what year that joiner's from, 
But when that joiner was set up, I don't know if it was the gentleman that did it. I don't know if it was done at Delta. I don't know who did it, but when it was set up, they punched it. So they, they, they punched a, a punch mark on the bushing and on the casting where the alignment, well, they're like alignment marks. So it's like, Hey, this is where it was set where it was right. So I dialed everything back to where most of them were close. Uh, but I dialed everything to where those alignment marks all lined up. And she seems to be pretty good, at least with the, I, I just tested um, like a couple, like two and a half foot pieces, seed and how they made it together. And it seems to be, seems to be good. So I'm, I'm cool with it. Um, I think okay. it will work out. Um, so yeah, she's back together. Um, it still has a weird noise, but um, one of my guys from the Omaha Woodworkers Guild texted me a couple weekends ago, said, Hey, when you're in your shop next time, can you turn your Delta joiner on? and send me a video. I have a really weird sound off of mine and I can't figure it out. And I'm like, yeah, mine does too. <laughs> like it just, it seemed Mark's doesn't have that. So the newer version doesn't have it. Yeah. I thought it was like a misalignment of the pulleys. So I tore everything apart, realigned them, put V belts or uh, link belts on there to replace the old V belt. I think what happens is it's the belt flutter and the opening where that belt comes through the base is really, really tight to the belt. So I think it's probably nicking it a little bit. So okay. when you turn it on, it has this like fluttering sound, um, which is a little weird. But I sent John a video and he's like, yep, that's exactly what mine sounds like. I'm like, cool. All right. All right. So. It's like the uh, Laguna joiner in the shop that has the belt squeal when you start it up. Yeah, like that immediate belt skill, just wing, and then it goes away. Yeah. So, gotta get those belts Which, warmed up. Yeah, I mean, I and I, I, I do get it. Like using a, a phase converter or a, a VFD on my big planer, putting one on this and putting one on the the disc sander that I started filming yesterday. I, I, I understand manufacturers not wanting to incur the cost of a VFD on their machinery. Cause then they have to sell their machines at a higher price. Um, but man, soft start just fixes a lot of problems. Like if that, like if that, if that Laguna joiner had a soft start on it, a VFD to control the, the speed at which it ramps up, it wouldn't have a belt squeal. Right. Um, same thing with a planer, like start it off, Give it a two second ramp speed and a two second down speed. I don't. I don't get it. Lathes have them. Yeah. Yeah. Lathes are also three times the price of any other piece of machinery in the shop. But right. But that. the I feel like the tool manufacturers just use their same voodoo math that they use with their cordless batteries, and then That's it true. doesn't change the price at all. That's right. Yeah. Buy a VFD, you get a machine for free. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, buy two batteries, it's $300. Buy this six-tool combo kit with bag, a charger, and two batteries, and it's $99. That's right. <laughs> so, all right. Yep. There you go. So, yeah, the joiner's back together. I got this pine in here to start on the sawtill today. Uh, that joiner is not wide enough for this pine, so I may just take light passes through the, it looks, I mean, it looks pretty flat. Yeah. So it's, it's extra pine from that um, wall storage unit that 
Chris designed last shop notes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So okay. it seems to be pretty flat. Um, I'm not terribly concerned about it. Um, I am going to do, I'm going to paint it, but I'm going to do it like a contrasting. I'm going to do a wood in the back and wood on the drawer faces. I'm like, am I going to piss anybody off if I use like curly maple for the back and the drawer fronts? Probably. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's what I'm going to do then. Yep. <laughs> Good idea. Yep. John, what do you got going on? Oh, well, like I said, I'm getting pressured to, to finish up the design on the um, bench top organizer right now. I got a, a project in the shop with Steve. Um, that's a little memory box. I think he's getting pretty close to being done on that. So that was a good looking project, John. Yeah, I saw it yesterday. Yeah, whatever it is, keep cranking it out and. Keeping the shop guys busy, <laughs> you know. So sometimes those small projects, because I think it was just assigned as a as a picture frame project. But it's like, okay, how do I design a picture frame that takes up four to six pages in the magazine? So you know, you got to add some other stuff. And so, no, I think it turned pages. out to be a cool project. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think that wraps it up for another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Uh, coming up in the next few episodes, we'll probably do like a year in review and look ahead for what's going on with the magazines. In addition to maybe some New Year's resolutions for cleaning out your shop. I know one of the topics around here was shop cleanouts and just cleanups in general. And reminded me, John, of your uh, your what would you call it? Cleanup challenge that you did a few yeah. years ago. It's like one more thing each day. Get rid of one more thing each day. Yeah. There you go. So, so whatever the number of the day of the month it is, that's how many items you need to deal with in your shop. Mm -hmm. So I know looking around the woodsmith shop set here, feels like we could do that maybe a couple of months in a row. Oh yeah. <laughs> Like, give me a hundred bucks, I'll buy a set of bits, a set of router bits, and then everything else goes in the garbage. All right. There we go. Yep. So we'll take a look at that uh, as well coming up. Uh, thank you to Type Bond for sponsoring today's episode. They're the glue that we use in the shop and have always used in our shop, even in my own personal shop. Uh, it's the glue that I turn to most often and I think you'll like it too. You want to check out more of their options. They have a glue for practically every application that you can think of. Take a look at it at tightbond.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs>